and I saw when the Lamb opened one of the seals, and I heard, as it were, the noise of thunder, saying, Come and see. Thunder Radio with Christian J. Pento. Okay, praise the Lord, you guys, and welcome. I'm Chris Pinto. This is Noise of Thunder Radio. Today on the show, we are going to talk about five things to watch for in 2024. Five things to watch for in 2024. If you are an American, if you're a, uh, a member of Western civilization, and I would argue if you are a God-fearing, Bible-believing Christian, yes, these are things you should watch for in 2024. Now, why do I think this is important? Well, I think it's very important because society and the Western world and our country, the United States of America, if people are not aware of the danger, the rising danger that we are in the middle of right now, then you're just not paying attention. Whoever you are, you're, you're not paying attention. And it's, it's why we have to pay attention to things like what happened to the countries of Western Europe during World War II. I've mentioned on this program before one of my favorite foreign films uh, called Catton, K-A-T-Y-N, about the Catton Forest Massacre, based on actual events. It was a history I grew up hearing about from my grandfather, Ziggy, Zygmunt Zadarowski, who I've talked about on the program before, who was a World War II veteran. But his country, Poland, was turned uh, upside down, uh, practically overnight. There was a peace treaty declared by Hitler uh, with... Neville Chamberlain and so on. And so everybody's declaring, hey, we're all going to be at peace. Everything's going to be great. Uh, And then the invasion of Poland happened sometime afterwards. And Poland, the people of Poland, were turned upside down overnight. And when you watch the beginning of that film, Katyn, you just watch the first five or ten minutes of it. And you've got all these civilians wearing ordinary clothing just running. And they're carrying suitcases and bags and They've got their young children. And why? Because their country has been invaded by the Nazis on one side and by the communists on the other, the Soviets. And everything changed very, very quickly. Uh, There's another film that was done not long ago by Angelina Jolie called First They Killed My Father about the Khmer Rouge in Cambodia. I would recommend watching the first 15 minutes of that film because you see a a family there at the beginning. And again, this is all based on a true story, based on a book written by a woman who, who was a young girl when all of this happened to her country. And at the very beginning, you see a Cambodian family, but they are very westernized. That's obvious that, that they were westernized. They're you know, the, the way that they dress, the things that they're doing are very much like what goes on in the West. And then what happens is very rapidly, suddenly everything changes. These guys with guns come 
writing in, and uh, they're they're having a celebration briefly, and then right after them comes the Khmer Rouge, the communists, and they were they're known, of course, for the killing fields of Cambodia, but everything changes in in a moment. Everything's turned upside down, and they're told. Pack your bags, get your things. Everybody's got to clear out of the city here in 10 minutes. I mean, it's very fast. And you see at the very beginning when the Khmer Rouge come in, one of the first things they do is they gather everybody's guns, everybody's firearms. They disarm everybody. And of course, you're wondering as an American, I mean, if you're an American, you're watching this happen and you're thinking, why didn't anybody resist these guys? Why didn't anybody try to fight back or whatever? But for whatever reason, they did not. They allowed themselves to be disarmed. They allowed themselves to be rounded up and then taken on a forced march. And everything went downhill from that point onward. So what's happening in our country right now with things like this massive flood of illegals coming into our country. I mean, you're, this, this is unheard of. It's unprecedented what's happening. We've never had anything like this happen in our history like this, where there's a massive flood of illegal criminals jumping the border. Meanwhile, we've got politicians like Nikki Haley, Nikki Haley, who claims she's some kind of Republican uh, and some kind of a patriot, but she's saying it's wrong to call them criminals because supposedly they're just coming here for a better life. That is what we're told, even though the guys that work down there will tell you in a hot minute that most of those coming across the border are fighting age men. They're, they're not necessarily women and children. Very, very few women and children. Mostly fighting age men and thousands, who knows how many thousands of Islamic jihadis are crossing the border. All right, so these are not in any particular order, the five things to watch for in 2024. Uh, but since we've already introduced the idea, I'm going to say number one is the after effects of illegal immigration. The after effects of illegal immigration. And it's already started. We've been hearing stories, but here's one of the latest. This is, uh, this is published on a number of different websites. I'm just going to read a few lines from the Geller Report, Pamela Geller's website, where it says New York City students forced to go remote as city houses migrants in schools. So in New York City, they are now putting the kids out of their public schools. Kids can't go in the schools now because they are making room for the illegal immigrants. We've already heard stories about them doing this at the hotels. People can't check into the hotel because they're putting all these illegal migrants into the hotels. The government is at taxpayer expense. All right. So here's uh, just a part of this story. Quote, students at a Brooklyn high school were kicked out of the classroom to make room for nearly 2000 migrants who were evacuated from a controversial tent shelter due to a monster storm closing in on the Big Apple. Uh, and then you've got people complaining about it. Uh, people are saying things like, quote, they're not vetted. A lot of them have criminal records and backgrounds, and we don't even know. 
And then it goes on from there. But the people in New York are obviously very concerned about this. And this is going to this is going to reach a breaking point at some point. I think New Yorkers are going to decide that they've had enough. I used to live in New York, in Manhattan for about two years. But I remember being on both the east side and the west side of the city. I lived for six months in what is called Hell's Kitchen and then moved to the Upper East Side for about a year and a half. And I can tell you that the city back then, this was the late 90s, and this was back during the Giuliani era when the city was still very safe by comparison to what it is today. And it was very tourist-oriented, meaning that they wanted families and tourists to go there and to be able to really enjoy the city of New York. So they went out of their way to make sure that it was safe in a lot of those tourist areas like Times Square. Now all of that has been eroded, unfortunately, and they're making things more and more dangerous. And this uh, massive inflow of illegals is, is just going to make things worse. And we've got repeated warnings from people who work on the border, people like uh, Doug Thornton, who I interviewed. Many of you heard that interview. If you haven't heard it, go to our website at noiseofthunderradio.com and look in the archives uh, back a couple of shows and you can listen to it. Very, very important interview. But they've been warning that there will be, uh, there will likely be another 9-11 type event this is what the guys down on the border, uh, the, the guys who I think are loyal patriots, they're warning because they're watching thousands upon thousands of illegals who are coming from the Middle East, who are Muslims, who are Islamists, rushing into our country unvetted, and they believe that these guys have an agenda, and it's just a matter of time. That's why it is important to pay attention to, at a variety of levels, the after effects of illegal immigration. Now, I want to play very quickly, and then we're going to move on to the number two issue. Right now, we're talking about illegal immigration. I want to play this audio. This is from Joe Biden. This is Joe Biden even before he became president, before he was installed in the White House, him talking about the massive flood of immigrants into our country. Listen. An unrelenting stream of immigration, nonstop, nonstop. Folks like me who were Caucasian of European descent for the first time in 2017 will be in an absolute minority in the United States of America. Absolute minority. Fewer than 50% of the people in America from then and on will be white European stock. That's not a bad thing. That's a, that's a source of our strength. So that, again, was a video uh, uh, featuring Joe Biden. This is back when Biden was vice president. This was in 2015. It's a C-SPAN video. And sitting right next to Biden, of course, is another Jesuit, Mayorkas. If you, if you don't know that Mayorkas is a Jesuit, yes, he is also a Jesuit. And uh, what they're doing is we're going to show you in our new film, American Jesuits, which, yes, folks, we are still pushing and working to get this project completed. But the information is so important. It is it is 
it is impacting what is going on in our country right now. This massive flood of immigrants into our country, this is part of the Vatican's plan, has been for more than 100 years. And we're going to show it to you. And it's happening right now. We're sitting here watching the fulfillment of what we were warned about back in the 1800s. Okay, so now we're going to segue from the number one issue, number one thing to watch for in 2024 uh, is, and again, these are in no particular order, no particular order, but number one was the after effects of illegal immigration. Number two, we're going to say the rise of Islam in Europe and North America. And this, I think, is a very good segue because Islam and immigration both legal and illegal immigration into the West is something that is becoming an increasing problem. In fact, we're watching it with all of these Palestinian Muslim radicals flying Palestinian flags, storming different cities, blocking traffic, disrupting everything, all on behalf of what's happening now in the conflict between uh, the Palestinian Muslims and Israel since the attack on October 7th of last year. Uh, but I want to play now some audio. This is from FBI Director Christopher Ray. Christopher Ray, let's let's go to the person who's seen as the senior source in our government on this. And this is Christopher Ray with the FBI warning about the potential for Islamic terror attacks on American soil. Listen. The reality is that the terrorism threat has been elevated throughout 2023, but the ongoing war in the Middle East has raised the threat of an attack against Americans in the United States to a whole nother level. But it's not just Hamas. As the world's largest state sponsor of terrorism, the Iranians, for instance, have directly or by hiring criminals, mounted assassination attempts against dissidents and high-ranking current and former U.S. government officials, including right here on American soil. The cyber-targeting of American interests and critical infrastructure that we already see conducted by Iran and non-state actors alike, we can expect to get worse if the conflict expands, as will the threat of kinetic attacks. Al-Qaeda issued its most specific call to attack the United States in the last five years. ISIS urged its followers to target Jewish communities in the United States and Europe. Hezbollah has publicly expressed its support for Hamas and threatened to attack U.S. interests in the Middle East. Here in the United States, our most immediate concern is that violent extremists, individuals or small groups, will draw inspiration from the events in the Middle East to carry out attacks against Americans going about their daily lives. All right. So again, that is and was Christopher Ray, director of the FBI. So that's about as official as a warning can get. But of course, that warning does not really come from him. It does. But it's something that loyal American patriots who are boots on the ground, who were eyes and ears down at the Mexican border and have been down there for years. This is something they've been warning about for years. So that is uh, certainly an important issue. The rise of Islam in Europe and North America. Now that's really a, a, a warning 
for North America and the United States in particular. We're going to go to a commercial break and then we're going to talk about what is happening with Islam in Europe when we come back right after this. Adullam Films presents a stunning new documentary, The True Christian History of America, exploring the Bible-based Christian origins of the early American view of freedom, tracing the principles of liberty back to England and the Great Reformation. For many years, our schools have taught that the founding of our Republic was from the Deists or the Enlightenment in France. But is that truly the case? Did the Enlightenment first declare no taxation without representation or trial by jury? Were they the champions of freedom of speech or of the press or the right to bear arms? And why did Samuel Adams declare that the reign of political Protestantism would commence just before signing the Declaration of Independence? Filmed on location in both the United States and Europe, the True Christian History of America is now available at adullamfilms.com. That's adullamfilms.com. Now available at noiseofthunderradio.com. That's noiseofthunderradio.com. Adullam Films presents an exciting new documentary, Bridge to Babylon, part three in an award-winning series on the untold history of the Bible. Dr. Jack Moorman calls it a masterful presentation of what is the single most important issue facing Christians today, the defense of the Bible as the Word of God. Why was the Bible changed in 1881? Why have so many churches abandoned biblical inerrancy? And what direction are scholars taking the scriptures today? Learn the truth in Bridge to Babylon, the sequel to A Lamp in the Dark and Tares Among the Wheat. Bridge to Babylon is now available at noiseofthunderradio.com. That's noiseofthunderradio.com. Noise of Thunder Radio. Okay, we are back. Praise the Lord, you guys. I'm Chris Pinto. This is Noise of Thunder Radio. Today on the show, we're talking about the five things to watch for in 2024. Uh, we want you to know if you are listening to this program on, well, you could be listening to it on SoundCloud. You could be listening to it on uh, Apple iTunes. Uh, you could be listening to it from our website at noiseofthunderradio.com. Or, or any of a number of other websites. If you are having trouble, we got a comment from somebody saying they had trouble driving and listening to the show on SoundCloud. Normally, SoundCloud is pretty solid. Uh, that's the first time I've heard anything about that, but it may be the case with others. Uh, look for the show on iTunes because you can find Noise of Thunder Radio on iTunes. There's also Podbean and at least a dozen other outlets that carry our show on a regular basis. Uh, every time we post a show, they pick it up almost immediately. So you can, um, you, can, you can listen to the program on a whole variety of different websites if you look for them out there. Just type in Noise of Thunder Radio 
course, you'll find our website. You can go there you, if you want to order some DVDs and resources and help us as we uh, push forward to complete our next documentary. And then we've got two more documentaries after that that we're going to be uh, finishing and editing. Uh, but I'll tell you more about that in the days ahead. Okay, so let's go back to our, but anyway, our two websites. I want to get our two websites out there for everybody. Noiseofthunderradio.com. That's noiseofthunderradio.com. And also adullamfilms.com. That's our main documentary film website. A-D-U-L-L-A-M films, F-I-L-M-S dot com. Adullamfilms.com. And uh, of course, you can pre-order the new film, American Jesuits. Uh, we are pushing for that to be completed, and we're hoping that copies will be sent out in February. That is the current projection. But uh, the film is, I think, going to be very, very powerful, especially uh, for people who know nothing about the Jesuits. They'll be able to have a very solid understanding of why the order is a danger, both past and present, because we bring things current we bring things so current, and I'm going to talk more about this, but Vivek Ramaswamy, we've just learned Ramaswamy is a Jesuit. But yes, he's Jesuit educated, and uh, we'll talk more about that as the show goes on. But anyway, uh, we are going to show people why this is an important issue, why the Jesuits and the Counter-Reformation are important in our world today and why we as Christians living in America need to hearken to the warnings, uh, one, of Scripture, of wolves and sheep's clothing, and two, the many, many warnings of our ancestors for the past 200 years warning us about the Society of Jesus, the so-called Society of Jesus, the Jesuit order. Okay, so number two on our list is the rise of Islam in Europe and North America. In Europe, if you go to the Rare Foundation, R-A-I-R, foundation.com, they've got a series of articles right now warning. Uh, there is a, a series of articles about thousands of German women raped by refugees since 2015. This is just in Germany. Now, we've talked about the rape gangs in England and the UK over the past 20 years reportedly have assaulted and violated more than a million English girls, 11, 12, 13-year-old girls over the past 20 years. And that number is now much worse. Uh, but they're saying that in Germany, Two gang rapes happen per day against the women in Germany. Two per day. You have in France on New Year's Eve, a, a disabled woman was violently beaten and raped in an elevator. There, that's one of the stories. Uh, another story, weaponized prayer, Islamic displays of territorial dominance. Whenever you see those images of hundreds and sometimes thousands of Muslims bowing down in prayer in a public place. They uh, go into cities like Paris, London, Rome, etc., uh, where this article says people have observed a uniquely Islamic display of dominance 
over the local population. This display has a veneer of religious observance as people are clearly engaged in Islamic prayer. However, since there are always mosques available or private spaces within which these observances could be done, one has to conclude that the purpose is clearly other than mere observance of Islamic prayer requirements. Okay, so in other words, what they're saying is that the Muslims will deliberately go into public places where people normally are walking up and down the road and this kind of thing, and they will block everything with their Islamic prayer. Because it's one of the ways, it's, it's kind of a form of intimidation and psychological warfare to say basically Islam is taking over. That's why they do it. And they're doing it in these cities all over Europe. Now, I'll tell you, I'll tell you a story that I told my wife. I was, we live just outside of Nashville in our little town of Mount Juliet, Tennessee, that has grown a lot since we moved here 16 odd years ago. And I was at the grocery store, Mount Juliet, Tennessee, just outside of Nashville. I'm at the grocery store and it was, uh, and I, I had, to, had to pick some stuff up at the store. I'm sitting in the truck. And I'm sitting there and uh, letting the truck heat up a little bit because it was cold. And I'm checking my email on my iPhone. I'm parked, of course. And I saw in front of me across the parking lot, probably about 100 feet away, a guy with his car parked there. And he was standing outside of his car and he had what looked like a blue tarp of some kind laid out. And it, it looked like he had laid out this tarp and he was going to lay down and get underneath his car like he was having car trouble. That's what I thought at first. So I saw him laying out this blue tarp. And uh, then he stands there and he's looking up at the sky. And I'm, I'm only half paying attention to him at first. And uh, then I look up. And it turns out, no, it's not a blue tarp to work on his car. It's a rug. It's an Islamic rug. And he literally kneels down there in the grocery parking lot and starts praying his Islamic prayer. I got to tell you, folks, I've been in Mount Juliet now for 16 years. I've, I've never seen that happen in 16 years. Never seen it happen anywhere in Tennessee that I've been. But we know that they've been bringing more and more Muslims into the Nashville area, and it, it only stands to reason that some of them would spill out into the suburbs. And I've had several occasions where, like one day I was at the post office, this was about six months ago, and I was at the post office, and... I suddenly hear behind me all of this Islamic music playing, like, you know, but modern Islamic music, obviously in Arabic. And it, it was kind of loud. And I suddenly turn around and there's a guy dressed from head to foot like he just stepped out of the Sudan or Saudi Arabia or something in a white, long white gown, head to foot, right, or neck to foot, I guess, with the white cap, the white fez, on top, and he had a cell phone, and the music was playing on his cell phone. 
but he looked, I mean, of course, totally Islamic, but wearing the, uh, the, the white robe that the Muslims often wear. And, and again, this is not a common, a common occurrence in this part of Tennessee at all. At least it hasn't been for me, but I found it very, very interesting. But they are bringing in now more and more Muslims. And as we have seen this explosion of all these protests across the country, there's even a video of downtown Nashville, Nashville, Tennessee, where there's all these Palestinian protesters waving their flags and they're protesting what's going on with Israel and uh, Hamas and, and that whole situation there with the, the Palestinian conflict. All right, another story. You've got uh, a poster on X, which formerly Twitter, Amy Mech posts a video that says Islam conquers the United Kingdom. She says during a rally for Hamas outside Downing Street in London, Islamic soldiers stopped for Maghrib prayer. Does the naive West even realize that the Maghrib prayer contains Surah al Fatiha, which is one of the most anti-Christian and anti-Jewish texts in the Quran. Furthermore, do you know that these Islamic street prayers are actually a confrontation and a statement? The Muslims are asserting their supremacy, implicitly demanding that everyone else who wants to pass along the street has to accommodate them. This is a manifestation of the old Islamic dictum that, quote, Islam must dominate and not be dominated. Now, there's no question that this is happening. There's no question that it is, that you've got millions of Muslims now in the United Kingdom, and they are pursuing more and more acts of aggression so that Islam will eventually dominate England and the whole UK. Now, I will say, when, when we were over there back about 2000. 16, 17, right around there. And we flew over to do some of the filming for True Christian History of America. We got out of London, thankfully. And I can normally when I've gone over there in the past, I usually am in and around London, do a lot of filming there. But we got outside of London. When you get outside of London, you really are interacting with the people of England. I didn't see much of a presence of Islam in the rest of the areas where we went. We were going to, you know, other towns and cities like Bath and uh, Huntington and and things like that. Uh, We went to Runnymede and so on. I wasn't noticing anywhere an Islamic presence in these places outside of London. And I've heard some like Katie Hopkins say, that really you have a large concentration of Muslims in gr- the greater London area, which is why Khan is the mayor of London right now, because there's such a huge amount of Muslims there. But outside of London, they're not as many. Now, that may have changed here in the, in the last five years. Who knows? But uh, yeah, so you've got people warning about the United Kingdom falling to Islam. People have been warning about France falling to Islam. And some are openly saying that the French have basically surrendered their country. 
Another note on England and the UK, it, you know, King Charles III ultimately complied with the demand, I think, of the traditionalists there in England that when he was crowned king, that he was going to declare himself to be the defender of the faith, meaning the faith of Christianity, the faith, the faith once for all delivered unto the saints. That's what that's a reference to. And he wanted, apparently years earlier, he had talked about being declared the defender of faiths, plural. And King Charles has made in the past, we did a show on this, but he's made comments in the past about how Islam is so wonderful and it's a part of Europe and all this other kind of stuff. Very dangerous comments when you got millions of Muslims coming into your country, raping the women and children and threatening to take over. And you have many Muslims who are openly declaring like this. Uh, here's another story on the Rare Foundation. A Muslim migrant TikTok star declares takeover of the West. Sharia law imminent. Some of you may remember how up in Canada, I had gotten a call from somebody who lives in Canada. And he had told me a story about a young boy who had approached his neighbor. His neighbor was mowing the lawn and a little nine-year-old boy walked over who was a Muslim boy and, and was saying something you couldn't understand. So he shut off the lawnmower, went and talked to the Muslim boy. And the mu Muslim uh, kid said to him, my father says, one day we will rule you. One day we will rule you. Okay, now where did this kid get this idea? Because that is what his parents are telling him. And this is up in Canada. Now, this is very important because Canada, Islam is on the rise there. Here is a story. This is a story that's you can find a number of different places, but a reporter arrested up in Canada, reporter arrested after questioning Canadian Deputy Prime Minister about government support of Islam. And I'm just going to play you some of the audio here, but basically what happens is you have a you have the Deputy Prime Minister Christia Freeland is walking with one of her assistants and a journalist uh, steps in front of her with a microphone and is asking her about the country's stance on the Islamic Revolutionary Guard Corps, the IRGC. Now, the reason this is important is because the IRGC years ago shot down a domestic flight. It was Flight 752, Ukraine International Airlines Flight 752. And so Canada has been discussing a resolve to designate the, yeah, here we go. Let me read this. It says, in an event to mark four years since Iran's Revolutionary Guards downing of flight PS-752, Canada's premier reiterated his resolve to label the IRGC a terrorist organization. Okay, so Justin Trudeau apparently is planning to call this a terrorist organization, but there is some backlash from that, and there are people who are trying to prevent. And apparently this has to do 
with Christia Freeland, the deputy prime minister. So this journalist is asking about it and saying, why are you supporting this Islamic terror group out of Iran? All right, so this is a journalist with Rebel News. His name is David Menzies, and he confronts Christia Freeland, and he says, Ms. Freeland, how come the IRGC is not a terrorist group and uh, then he says, why is your government supporting Islamic Nazis? Or that's what it sounds like. Some people think it's Islamic nationalists, but I think he's saying Islamic Nazis. Uh, and then what happens is a police officer steps in front of him and then, you know, they bump into each other. And then the officer begins to accuse the reporter of having assaulted him. Okay. So just listen to part of this dialogue so you can hear it, and then we'll come back. Here it is. Ms. Freeland, how come the IRDC is not a terrorist group? Why is your government supporting Islamo Nazis? What are you doing? You're under arrest for assault. You're under arrest for assault. You're under arrest for assault. Okay, so hopefully you could hear that. I, I tried to kind of uh, let you know what the dialogue was before you heard it so that you would have a sense of it. But if you watch the video of this, it's obvious that the reporter did not assault a police officer. What happened was the reporter's walking with the deputy prime minister and her assistant and trying to get a response out of her and saying, why are you supporting this Islamic group, etc.? And then the police officer stands in the way. He, he stands in the way to try and block the reporter. Then the reporter, of course, bumps into him because he's walking and following the deputy prime minister. And then the officer says, okay, you're under arrest for assault. And that's how it happens. But nobody who watches the video really thinks that this uh, Rebel News reporter actually assaulted this police officer. This, but see, this is how it's happening. It's happening this way over in the UK. This is what they did to Tommy Robinson when he just tried to film uh, and, and do a report outside the courtroom where they were having a trial for uh, an Islamic rape gang, and he was talking about it. And they arrested Tommy Robinson. Due process of law, all of that thrown out the window. And the reason this is important to us, folks, is because it's happening here in the United States as well. You study what's gone on with the January 6 prisoners, the, 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 the rule of law is being trampled on and just thrown out the window. You, you've got people who have been locked up for long periods of time without the fundamental rights that have been handed down since Magna Carta and the English Bill of Rights and are part of the U.S. Constitution. They're being thrown out because socialists are taking over with the Islamists and 
all of these laws and boundaries. This is why our Christian heritage is so important. Because these boundaries, these sacred boundaries, things like no taxation without representation, trial by jury, habeas corpus, due process, etc., all of these are the instruments of the Christian world, Christian civilization, with their foundation in the Bible and the laws of God. And if you want to get lots of details on that, watch our film, The True Christian History of America. We explain it to you step by step, and we interview ministers, we interview authors, we interview lawyers, attorneys, Christian attorneys who understand these things, who know the history of American law. We go to museums, we interview college professors who are experts on some of the subject matter. So it's, it, it's very important that we understand this as Christians living in the Western world. If we allow the heritage that our ancestors fought for, fought and died for, and they weren't fighting for conservative values, and they were not fighting for some vague idea of freedom. No, they were fighting for God-given liberty, the liberty to live according to the boundaries of God's law in the Holy Scripture. That's what they were fighting for. And that has been systematically erased from our history books They've created all of these vague ideas or these universal principles, supposedly, but they're not really universal principles because not everybody believes in them. Okay, so number one, after effects of illegal immigration. Number two, the rise of Islam in Europe and North America. When I say North America, the United States and Canada, because Canada is farther down the road than we are on a lot of this Islamic compromise, and you've just heard they're an example. Now they're journalists being arrested on bogus charges for even questioning anything about Islam. Okay, so that's two. Number three, in my opinion, World War Three. Kind of odd. You would think that that would either be number one or number five, right? But. We're just going to we're going to make it number three. World War three, the situation with Ukraine, Russia and Israel. Because notice what's happening. You have all of these conflicts and these entanglements where the United States is being blamed by Russia for our support of Ukraine. And now we're being blamed by the Islamic element out there because of our support of Israel, the state of Israel. And yes, I am one who supports the state of Israel. I still believe that there are legitimate questions about what went on. Why was there this seven-hour delay where it appears the IDF did not respond? And whether or not Israeli intelligence had any kind of foreknowledge that this was going to happen. There are some people think that they knew about it ahead of time. And it's, it's, they're, they're questioning it much the same way people question 9-11. Nevertheless, we still support the state of Israel and the Jewish people defending their liberty. If, if they have deep state actors that are corrupt and somehow or other engineered this thing with Hamas, that may well be the case, but that's not necessarily the fault of the Jewish people. And we've got to remember, even if you think there's corruption, and, and typically with any government, there is a measure of corruption going on. 
there, there was corruption going on in the government of ancient Israel. There was corruption going on during the reign of King Solomon. There was corruption going on during the reign of King David. There was corruption. You know, two of the greatest kings of ancient Israel. There was corruption going on in their governments. Underhanded things that went on. We read about them in the Bible. But that, it's, it's very, very different for there to be corruption going on in the Israeli government and then people somehow feel they need to defend Hamas or they need to defend the Palestinian cause there when the entire Palestinian cause is aimed at the annihilation of the Jewish people. That's their cause. Why would anybody defend that? It makes no sense. You should be opposing those who want to forbid the preaching and teaching of the gospel of Jesus Christ. And that's what we've got to remember about Islam. Islam wants to forbid the preaching of the gospel. If they have power anywhere, you will not be allowed to preach the gospel. They pass laws to make it illegal for their people to convert to Christianity. They pass laws right now in Iran. There's a story of a Christian woman who's been, well, let me, uh, let me get the story here. This is, you can find this on the Christian Post. The headline is Iranian Christian Convert 60 Sentenced to Six Years in Prison. It says 60-year-old Christian convert Mina Kajavi has been ordered to commence a six-year prison term in Iran, according to a report that says she was convicted for, quote, acting against national security by promoting Zionist Christianity through her involvement in a house church. By being involved in a house church, she was a threat to the national security of this Islamic country. This is what happens if Muslims are in charge of the government. No, nobody should support Islam being involved in government in the United States or really anywhere in the Western world. But, but because we're Americans, you should not at all support. Do not give in to this false libertarian idea. It's fake libertarianism. Our country was not founded on secular libertarianism. It was founded on Christian libertarianism. And no, you don't allow people to get involved in government who are going to try and forbid the preaching and teaching of the gospel of Jesus Christ. Not at all. And no, you don't put people in government who are going to teach that Christianity must be counted equal with Islam and Buddhism and Hinduism, etc. Not at all, because that's not what our founders intended. How do we know? Because they said so. We have the documentation. We present it in our film, True Christian History of America. No, that is not what they intended with the Constitution of the United States. Now, believe me, I understand why it's confusing. I've made a whole series of films on the history of America, so I, I understand the confusion as well as anyone. However, we do have records that show that no, it was not the intention of the founders, even at the time of the American Revolution. Certainly, it was not the intention of the early colonists, not at all, but it was also not the intention 
of the revolutionaries to make Christianity equal to paganism. That was not their intention, and our forefathers even said so. And no, you do not want to support people who are going to try to silence the preaching of the Word of God. No, absolutely not. It is our duty before God to defend government that operates as the minister of God. That's what Romans 13 says. And as the minister of God, it must make sure that the preaching of the gospel has free course because Christ, who is King of Kings, has commanded that the gospel be preached to all the nations. That is what we are to support, whether it's in this country or any other. Okay, so World War III. All right, so number one, number one issue was after effects of illegal immigration. Number two, the rise of Islam. Number three, World War III, as it is moving forward. And again, we talked about Ukraine, Russia, and Israel, how that conflict, it's these entangled conflicts and alliances that that's what brought about the First World War, the Second World War, and many people are predicting that's going to bring about World War III. Okay, so number four, the resurgence of COVID-19. The resurgence of COVID-19. There are repeated warnings that they are going to try to bring back mask mandates, that they're going to try to bring back lockdowns and all this other kind of stuff. The illegal immigration should inform every American the fact that they brought in millions and millions of unvetted, untested people that they know are going to have various viruses and things like that. And the fact that they've exercised no caution at all about this should be everything that we need to know that an attempt, a future attempt at some kind of lockdown and social distancing and this kind of thing is all just a show. It's a sham. It's, it's about power and control. If they were really concerned about the spread of viruses and this kind of thing, they would never allow millions and millions of unvetted people to come running across our border. They just would not allow it. But that's what should tell us that, among many other indicators. But yes, the resurgence of COVID-19, it is entirely possible that there will be COVID 2.0, and they're going to attempt to impose some kind of COVID tyranny. Now, we were warned about this last year, that this was going to happen. And we didn't really see much of anything happen in the months that followed. We were warned that in the fall, beginning in the fall, in November, December, here just a few months ago, that this was going to happen, and it didn't happen. I think there is a lot of pushback, and I think that Americans and freedom-loving people all over the world should continue to push back in a you know peaceful protesting, exercising the First Amendment to the full extent so that the powers that be understand that society is not going to cooperate with all this lockdown stuff. And if, if enough people are sounding the alarm and making noise, then it's very likely that these globalist powers will back down because they are somewhat pragmatic, I believe. 
course, I believe the, the, the chief counselors are Jesuits. We're going to show you that in the new film because we're going to have a whole section on COVID-19 and the Jesuit order because the connections are undeniable, undeniable. But the Jesuits are very pragmatic, very pragmatic. So they'll back down. That doesn't mean that they're going to quit. Don't misunderstand. It doesn't mean that they're going to quit in terms of their globalist ambitions, but they'll sort of back off a bit because they don't want to push the envelope too far. That's what I think. Now, I could be wrong. We'll, we'll have to wait and see. But yes, it's definitely something to look out for. The continued corruption of the medical industry for the purpose of using the medical industry for, for medical warfare against the people in our country, which I honestly believe is what's going on. Medical warfare, bio-warfare, they're calling the, uh, the vaccine a bio-weapon. You've got, you've got people, very official people, calling the COVID vaccine a bio-weapon. So we've got to pay attention to this and be on the lookout in 2024. It'll be very interesting to see if, if more COVID tyranny rears its ugly head. Now, the number five issue, that was number four, resurgence of COVID-19. Number five, the big issue is going to be the 2024 presidential race for, for the office of the president of the United States of America. There's no question that's going to become, I believe, I think, unless something catastrophic, something or other that happens, I think the presidential race with everything going on with President Trump, everything going on with Joe Biden and all these candidates, Nikki Haley, who's getting a lot of attention, but we think Nikki Haley is a globalist. We do not believe she is a true conservative Republican, and we think she's a globalist. And then you have Vivek Ramaswamy. Ramaswamy, who's getting a lot of attention, a lot of the conservatives seem to like him. I had a friend, uh, in fact, Steve Matthews, from the Trinity Foundation, who appears in our new film, forward to me a story about Ramaswamy that he graduated from St. Xavier High School. And the story is St. Xavier High School won't remove Vivek Ramaswamy from Board of Trustees. He's, a, he's not only a graduate, this is a Jesuit-run private high school in Cincinnati, or in the Cincinnati region, it says, won't remove Republican presidential candidate Vivek Ramaswamy from its board of trustees, the board's chairman said Wednesday. Apparently, uh, his, his conservative comments are considered controversial, and uh, some of the St. Xavier High School alumni are calling for the school to oust Ramaswamy from its 25-member board of trustees. So bear in mind, he's not just a graduate of this Jesuit high school. He's not just an alumni. Uh, he is a member of its board of trustees. So he's, again, this is a, a more solid Jesuit connection. 
Lots of people graduate from their schools. Not all of them have this kind of close association. And of course, Ramaswamy is a Hindu, and he has a Hindu view of Jesus, which, quite frankly, is perfectly acceptable with the Jesuit order because it all fits in with what they wrote and communicated in Vatican Council II. Uh, do I think Ramaswamy would make a good president? He might be better than Joe Biden, but I still would not want to see him in the White House. He has a very clear Jesuit connection. He's being supported. On the conservative side of things, I think he is a, you know, it's, it's kind of like the order is trying to control both sides of the argument. Some people say the same thing about President Trump because Trump went to Fordham University. He did not graduate from Fordham. He was only there for two years, then he left and went to a different university. I've never thought that President Trump was, quote, a Jesuit. I've never seen him that way. I don't think he really represents the Jesuit agenda. The only thing, the, the main, well, the two main things with President Trump that are troubling for me is, one, the fact that he gives any support to LGBT politically, that's one, and two, his support for the vaccine. And he continues to support the vaccine. Now, the, the one possible, you know, upside of all of that is that he has also called in his campaign for an investigation into the health of children in particular. You've got so many kids being diagnosed with autism and these other conditions. And a lot of people are pointing to the vaccine industry and the medical industry overall. If there is a second Trump administration, and they do a sincere investigation into the medical industry, that would be a very needed and I think positive thing. And I say if, quote, unquote, if. We'll have to wait and see what happens. And just pray for the Lord's help and guidance for our country and our people in the days ahead. I wanted to play a brief clip here as we round this out. So that's all five issues, the five things to watch for, in my opinion, in 2024. Illegal immigration, the rise of Islam, World War III, the resurgence of COVID-19, and number five, the 2024 presidential race. All of that uh, will be forthcoming in 2024. Now, there's an interview that was had by a friend of ours, Alex Newman, who is a great guy, by the way. I interviewed Alex Newman. He's going to be in one of our upcoming documentaries, not this one on the Jesuits, but the one on the Reese Committee and the tax-exempt foundation and how they, tax-exempt foundations, plural, and how they seized control of our education system back in the 1920s. And uh, Alex Newman knows a lot of information about the corruption of uh, America's education system. And he's just, he's, he's a great guy, and he's a great speaker on all of these issues pertaining to globalism. Well, he interviewed Simon Roche, the director of, of Foreign Affairs for Sudlanders. 
an Afrikaner preparedness organization. And he is with the, uh, Alex is with the New American Magazine. And he did this interview. I thought the interview was very powerful. I'm just going to play a short part of it with Simon Roche, who I have talked about, I'm pretty sure, before. Because the situation in South Africa and what's happening there and how the communists got control through Nelson Mandela and they've turned the country upside down, the country's getting worse and worse. But that is the playbook that the globalists have for the United States of America. It's an American version of it, but it's basically the same systematic subversion and overthrow of our country. That is their ambition. But here is what Simon Roche had to say in part in this interview, which I thought was very powerful. Here's just a short clip. Listen. And so we're witnessing the whole world is watching. All eyes are on the USA at present. All eyes are on your stolen election on the compulsory distribution of child pornography at schools, which we find very interesting because it, it's almost com incomprehensible. And I, I mean this really quite sincerely. The entirety of the whole world, bar none, is watching this, this uh, kind of madness sweep across the USA. And we find it difficult to understand really how it happened so quickly, how the, the land of John Wayne has become the land of, you know, RuPaul iconography. And then we see these uh, January 6th tapes come out, and we kind of think, okay, now there's going to be a kickback. Oh, you're going to see something's going to happen now. But but this, this liberal juggernaut just keeps on steamrolling over everything that might be described as the traditional core of the United States of America. But Americans seem to be kind of, I don't know how to explain the kind of non-reaction among Americans. If you talk to them, they say, oh, yeah, no, it's not, it's not very good and we're worried and who knows what's going to happen. But there's no, there's no dramatic and powerful resistance to their own destruction. And one can't help wondering uh, whether it's medication, whether it's the vaccination. What, what, what is it that has made these people weak and and to some extent, if I may use the word without giving offense, almost emasculated. All right. So that is, again, Simon Roche. Uh, that uh, was an interview, is an interview with uh, Alex Newman with New American Magazine. And in particular, uh, this was a program that Alex has called Conversations That Matter. Conversations That Matter. And again, Simon Roche with the Sudlanders, and you can check out his website online. But anyway, and Sudlanders, by the way, is spelled S-U-I-D-L-A-N-D-E-R-S. They're basically a South Africaner uh, preparedness organization because they believe their country is on the brink of civil war. Now, their country has gone through a lot of this Marxist manipulation already. They've just thought that, hey, you know, you're not going to be able to get away with this in America. And so uh, what, it, what I think he's communicating is that the rest of the world is looking at us and they're saying, OK, any day now, the Americans are just going to say enough is enough and they're going to stand up and there's going to be some serious pushback. And uh, because that has not happened as of yet, I think. 
that's what he's commenting on. Now, I would point people to George Washington during the time of the American Revolution. If you read the writings of Washington, I think it's in a certain letter. I read this not long ago, but it was on December 17th. The, the December 17th, right before the Christmas Day attack when Washington crossed the Delaware on Christmas Day night with his troops, which really turned the tide of the war at that point. But prior to that, Washington is writing and he's basically saying words to the effect, we're in, we're in as bad a situation as you can imagine. In fact, why, 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 don't, I, why don't I just read it? I could read it. This is one of the letters that uh, Washington sent to his cousin, Lund Washington, Lund, L-U-N-D, who served as the steward of Mount Vernon, the Mount Vernon estate during the American Revolution, presumably while Washington was at war. Well, on 17 December 1776, he's writing a letter to Lund Washington basically talking about all the obstacles they've faced. And he says, quote, In short, your imagination can scarce extend to a situation more distressing than mine. Our only dependence now is upon the speedy enlistment of a new army. If this fails, I think the game will be pretty well up. As from disaffection and want of spirit and fortitude, the inhabitants, instead of resistance, are offering submission and taking protection from General Howe in Jersey. So in other words, the people are not really into resisting the tyranny. They're willing to give into it. Uh, why? Because of all that they've suffered up to that point. And so, but this is on December 17th. Just a short time later on December 25th, that's when Washington crosses the Delaware and uh, launches an attack against the Hessian mercenaries and turns the tide of the war. So who knows, we could be, as a country, we could be in a condition not unlike what Washington was in and the American colonists, the revolutionaries who were resisting the tyranny of King George, we might be in the same condition as a country right now. And it may be that God will grant us an open door somehow to turn things around. So I don't think that all is lost for America at this point, not by a long shot. I think there are still many things that can happen. We just have to continue in prayer. We need to humble ourselves, recognize that ultimately safety and victory come from God. God's promises in the scripture that we, we should not fear other gods, but if we fear the Lord and keep his commands and seek him, then he will deliver us from the hands of all our enemies. That is very, very important. Also, uh, Simon Roche, I should mention, uh, even though I didn't play this part of his interview, he goes out of his way to tell us that his organization is an exclusively Christian organization, that they are Christians and they do not seek to have non-Christians come and join with them or anything like that. Uh, they are very boldly, unapologetically Christian 
in their worldview and in their approach to everything they're doing. And praise the Lord. Uh, Christians need to become more partisan for Christianity and not allow the globalist influence to convince you that you're supposed to be defending atheism and Islam and uh, all of these other alternative beliefs. We're really not called to defend the non-Christian beliefs of the world. Remember, the commandment of God, according to the Apostle Paul, is that God commands that all men everywhere repent and turn away from the idols of the world and put their faith in the Lord Jesus Christ as King of kings and Lord of lords. Indeed, as Peter said, he is Lord of all. Praise God. So that's what we're called to. We are not called to tell everybody else who has an alternative belief that their belief is somehow or other equally valid or anything like that. No, we we are called to communicate the word of God and God's command that all men everywhere repent and put their faith and trust in the Lord Jesus Christ. Praise the Lord. All right, brothers and sisters, that is going to do it for us today. That is our show. We'll stop it there, but we will be back next time as the Lord leads us. Until then, God bless you guys. I'm Chris Pinto, and you've been listening to Noise of Thunder Radio. Noise of Thunder Radio.